extraordinary buyers, and this is Successful Associations Today. My guest is Bruce Rosenthal, who has advanced corporate partnership programs for more than 20 years. He is a strategic advisor, consultant, and educator to associations and not-for-profit organizations, creating corporate partnership programs that increase revenue, add membership, constituent value, and foster sustainability. He demonstrates leadership in identifying and cultivating sponsorship and partnership best practices as convener of the Partnership Professionals Network, a national sponsorship and partnership organization. Welcome, Bruce. I'm happy to have you here today. Thanks, Mary. So sponsorship was already under pressure and undergoing changes prior to COVID. How has the pandemic accelerated these changes? I know sponsorship is key for many, many organizations and it's part of their livelihood. So let's talk about how it's accelerated changes that were already happening. Sure, well, I think three changes that were already happening that have been significantly ramped up because of the pandemic. The first one is associations need more revenue. That's been true for years, whether an association had three staff, 30 staff, 300 staff, they needed more revenue. And now uh, with pandemic, with in some cases, membership decreasing, convention revenue decreasing, associations need more revenue than ever. Um, secondly, associations need more content. And this has been true for years. So either more complex economy, um, changes in an industry, regulatory issues, members have needed more content for years. Now with the pandemic, businesses being closed, uh, social service agencies, healthcare organizations need, needing to figure out new ways to, to help their members. Uh, those content, need, content needs have increased significantly. And companies have been looking for more ROI for years. And especially now with budgets tighter, marketing budgets tighter, um, sponsor companies are looking for much more ROI um, than they've ever had before. And the, the fourth factor, which um, wasn't as prevalent before the pandemic, um, and that's the impact of technology. And now that we are all, whether we like Zoom, we are all using Zoom, we all know how to use Zoom, we're using social media more, we're connecting more in different social platforms, and companies can now find ways to sidestep associations. And whereas in the past, uh, associations could say, well, if you want to reach our members, if you want to educate our members, you need to be a sponsor, you need to go through our association. And now companies have found that they can put together lists of members through social media and other sorts of lead generation. And with the wonders of Zoom and other platforms, they can present to members. And that doesn't mean the companies wouldn't appreciate the affinity with the associations, but if it's not a good sponsorship package, uh, companies will leverage technology to go off on their own. So that piece of it, the sponsorship, package and how we think about it. You've said that companies want to support associations, but their requirements for doing so have changed. Thanks to the pandemic, unfortunately, what are you seeing in this regard? Well, in the past, most sponsorship programs focused to a great extent on conventions. And it was a three-day sponsorship in and out. Occasionally, there were some other a la carte things during the year, but it was mostly the convention around logo placements, signage, a bigger booth, a, a shout out from the podium during a general session. And many companies have not really been enamored with that sort of package for years, but the companies didn't want to look like the bad guy. They didn't want to drop their sponsorship. So they maintained some sort of booth and some sort of sponsorship in the convention. 
Uh, but then when conventions were canceled last year through no fault of the associations, but because of the pandemic and conventions went virtual, and in some cases, the, the conventions were canceled and rolled over to 2021, or the conventions were switched to virtual and a very modest uh, logo placement package was given to sponsors. Companies, I'm afraid, saw that as their ticket out. And they kind of took the step out the door and said, uh, well, let us know when you guys get back to, to doing a convention. And in the meantime, those companies still had the need to market. So they found other avenues. And there are companies that I've talked to that have created incredibly robust websites with chat features, with downloads, with tutorials, uh, all educational. And if you, if you want the product demo, you can get that. But they've basically taken all of the information they would have presented or wanted to present at a convention or to members, and they've done that on the company's website. And then they're able to track the ROI. They're able to track the clicks and see how many people among the association's membership, you know, went to two webinars and went to the product demo and, and downloaded a few white papers. Um, it's also interesting that I, I've not talked to too many companies that are reducing their sponsorship expenditures. They might be tightening their marketing budgets a little, but I talked to a company recently and they said, in fact, we are, our sponsorship pie is the same size this year as the last two years. However, we are cutting bigger pieces. We're looking for the sponsorship programs that offer more value, and we will increase our sponsorship spend with those associations and decrease or eliminate our sponsorship spend with the other sponsorship programs. Interesting. So there's opportunity there. And, and what I think I, I really want to focus on, because you said something important there, and that is the company's need to market is still there. And for many of them, the I guess the lack of the convenience of the annual meeting has forced them to innovate, just like associations have been innovating. And they might have created some of their own substitutions for what was traditionally, uh, you know, the association conference. So uh, let's talk about uh, in-person versus virtual uh, and how this might change education in the long run and what it means for sponsorships. So uh, before we started recording, we talked about, you know, the, the education in a three-day period for the association at the annual meeting versus education spread over 365 days the rest of the year. That's a potential change. Rather than a large hit of education, we may have smaller hits of education throughout the year. One of my personal concerns is that now that members have seen that I can log on very easily and not have to leave my office, not have to travel, not have to pay for hotel and meals away, it might be hard to lure people back to in-person events, even though we know that there's nothing like being able to hug people and the hallway conversations that help. But all of this disruption happening at the same time, I think, and especially the in-person versus virtual, how is that impacting sponsorships? Well, I think that you know, companies are wrestling with the same issues that associations are. How can we create the, the value of the in-person if we can't do the in-person? Um, so I think the way that associations as well as some companies will, will um, mitigate this over time, it could be smaller meetings. It could be local meetings, uh, smaller groups of people getting together with less travel. And I think that could be one of the opportunities for associations, which 
also create some great opportunities for local sponsors who say, yeah, it was a nice 5,000 person convention, but if I could actually participate in an 80 person meeting locally, that will actually provide me with better access to my prospective customers and better opportunities to, to engage with them. Um, so for some companies, there are actually far more value propositions around virtual than in person. And in part, because some conventions are so large. And, and I had a sponsor years ago when I was uh, in charge of a sponsorship program, large association, 5,000 people at the convention. And one of our top sponsors came up to me the last day and said, we're dropping our sponsorship. And I said, why? We just had this great convention. He said, well, you had 5,000 people in the exhibit hall. We want to reach 500 people. We couldn't find them. Yeah. And I said, wow. So I'm trying to think of some way to salvage this sponsorship. And I said, you know, if we did like a series of lunch and learns around the country with your target audience there, and maybe one of our association board members there, and you could present not a sales pitch, but something around leadership or problems in the field or whatever. And I couldn't finish the sentence. He said, yep, we'd be there. Wow. So the, the opportunity to target audiences, which we can do much better at virtual because associations have this wealth of data about members, demographic data, size of the member companies, where they're located, titles of the, the execs in the companies. And if you merge that information with the virtual conference information of, oh, here's a person that's the company's demographic and they attended these two sessions on a topic relevant to the company, what if we arrange with that sponsor company to send that small group of targeted folks a white paper afterwards? And for that, the company, not only a smaller target audience to meet their needs, but providing the opportunity to provide member value to those members who would say, yes, I'm the right demographic. I'm not getting an e-blast along with all the other members. I'm getting something based on my demographic, my interests, and, and I was pre-selected in a way based on the sessions I attended. So through data marketing and lead generation, which is what companies, again, are kind of doing on their own through their own platforms. They're tracking who's going to what session, who's downloading what white paper. To be able to do that under the auspices of the association as a sponsor, um, prov provide huge opportunities for the companies, the members, as well as the association. So do you think we're going to see more customized sponsor packages then? going forward? Yeah, I think they will be customized. And that's really what the companies are looking for. The, uh, the, the gold, silver, bronze packages that, that have evolved over the years and that we've used for decades um, are of far less, they're they of less interest to companies four years ago, five years ago. They're, they're much less now uh, after the pandemic when companies are really looking for that value proposition. So, um, to really have the opportunity to, and I've identified kind of a three-step process to meet member needs as well as the company needs, because the question always comes up, well, if we're going to give the companies whatever they're asking for, does that mean they're just going to run roughshod over the association and, and take advantage of the members? Uh, the process that I recommend is starting with the members first and finding out what members' needs are. And through focus groups, through surveys, um, through asking board members, through getting input from staff, through looking at, because of the pandemic, do members have a new need now than they had three months ago or, or three years ago? Starting with what do members need? What keeps them up at night? And then identifying companies with the expertise to meet those needs. And it might be a product or service, but also the expertise that's behind that product or service. And with that top tier of companies to sit down with the companies and have a conversation and not to be 
selling a gold, silver, bronze package that's predetermined, but to ask the companies, you know, what are your business goals? What are your marketing needs? Uh, how do you define a successful sponsorship? What do you think our members think of you now? How would you like them to think about your company? Um, are there changes going on with your company? Have you acquired another company? Are you going through a brand change? Have you started a new product line? that you would like the members to know about. And to have that conversation with companies um, about their business and marketing needs, and then to step back for a couple of days and develop a customized proposal for each company and say, here's what our members need, here's what your company offers, and not through visibility and signage and logo placements, because most companies really don't value that, but looking at webinars, white papers that can be offered to members on those topics that meet member needs, uh, podcasts, uh, focus groups, executive roundtables, research that would benefit the members in the association. So it always goes back to what do members need and what can companies provide to fulfill that need as a top level sponsor. So it really hits all three points. It meets member needs, company needs, and then by extension, the association's getting the sponsorship revenue, so it fulfills their needs uh, for additional revenue. So you're really looking at the intersection. You know, if it were a Venn diagram, there would be three circles. One would be your association members, one would be sponsors, and one would be the association itself. Is that fair? Yep, it's it's looking at all three, and when you can hit all three of those those three sweet spots, that that is is successful. And most companies are delighted with that process. Now, it sometimes takes a little bit of a explanation of what what the association is doing, and if the conversation is with the, the company's exhibits person, they may not understand you know the, the bigger marketing goals of the company. But to really, it, it's really very similar to the process that a, a corporate VP would, would engage in with a marketing agency, where the marketing agency is not selling gold, silver, bronze packages. Um, they are, the company, the marketing agency has a series of, of capabilities and the company has needs and the marketing agency has that long conversation. What are your company's needs? Let's see what capabilities our marketing agency has. Different set of services or benefits for each client and a different price point. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious about um, how this all ties back to where we started actually with, and that was the whole content. Uh, that was one of the things that you identified. And I, I just interviewed uh, Hillary Marsh about content mm. and uh, content management. So I think these uh, podcast recordings are going to go really well together. Um, I, you just touched on one trend, but uh, what couple, three trends are you seeing in the associations that are being successful in the sponsorship arena right now? One, I'm going to assume that they're having conversations and they're doing research and they're looking for that intersection. But, but are there a couple of other things you're noticing with the clients that you work with that are doing well? From a sure. Well, yeah, so it is doing the research. It's not cold calling companies as, as we've often done. It's also kind of this one big sell during the year, because I think we've also um, kind of had a pattern over the decades, whether it's the association staff or an outside agency, calling companies, sometimes different staff within the associations, uh, within the association, calling companies four, five, six, eight times a year, selling ads, webinars, uh, podcasts, exhibit booth, conference sponsorships. And the companies, when I interview them on behalf of clients, the companies are saying, we pretty much click delete. It just, we're, we don't wanna spend umpteen times during the year. So really to go to those companies um, 
before they find other marketing channels or before they go to other associations and have that conversation around a year-long package that is customized, or in some cases, it's a multi-year. So one of my, my favorite stories, because unfortunately it, it touches on the pandemic. So my colleague and I had been working with the Academy of Medical Surgical Nurses um, for about six months, a couple years ago, built out a great, well, it was a great new partnership program. And we presented it to them in February of 2020, right before the pandemic. And our first thought was, is this like, are we just done for the next six or eight months? Um, but they contacted one of their conference sponsors. The association had been pretty much conference sponsorship based, a company called Medtronic that provides a whole range of, of services in the healthcare space. They had been a $7,000 conference sponsor. And within eight weeks, we had converted them to a year-long $50,000 corporate partner. Wow. Providing, um, and I was glancing at their website earlier, they don't describe themselves as selling a product or service. Medtronic describes themselves on the association's website as providing med surge nurses with solutions, innovation, and practical alternatives with a focus on time-saving products and services to give time back to nurses. It says nothing about their product or service. So that gets back to how does the company want to be positioned? And Medtronic might have said in that early exploratory discussion, oh, everybody thinks we sell whatever. Well, but how do you want the members to perceive you. So that was a year ago and Medtronic has just renewed for the second year. So kind of doing the math, $7,000 sponsorship for two years is $14,000, $50,000 partnership for two years is $100,000. So that's an example of what can be done. This is also, you know, for the top tier companies, this is not something an association is not going to have these exploratory calls and customized partnerships with 25 or 30 companies and or reach out to 50 exhibitors or uh, 100 conference sponsors that have bought the name badge lanyards to identify the, the, what, the top tier companies. They could be the longest term companies. If you say, wow, here's a company that actually bought five things during the year. What if we package those? Yeah. And it's really the, you know, the one plus one plus one equals five if you package them because they leverage each other. So it's going back to the company's goals and if the company really wants to be known um, for a certain area of expertise to advance that in a white paper in the first quarter and a webinar in the second quarter and something at the in-person convention or smaller convention in the third quarter and then a research survey or, or focus group in the fourth quarter. And then it all ties together and those leverage each other. So at the end of the year, the company could say, wow, we see the thread through the four quarters and we've been able to track that and we've really made a difference. Made a difference and increased impact, I think for, for sponsors. It, when you were talking about that, Bruce, I had a picture in my mind of the association as the bridge between the sponsor and members. And so the association becomes the connector. And that's really, uh, really what, what we have to sell if you're gonna look at it in terms of you know sales. Um, but I really prefer the way you look at it in terms of not making a sale, but uh, increasing value. Uh, and connecting members to value that just happens to be uh, made available through the expertise of sponsors. Right. Uh, and, and this leads into a, a next question, and that was reskilling staff or hiring different expertise is one of the trends that I've noticed for years, and it's something that we wrote about in the 
recent 10th anniversary edition of Race for Relevance because so much has changed since that first edition came out that we need new staff skill sets. What skills and expertise from your perspective are needed to manage a successful sponsorship program in 2021 and beyond? Well, of course, anyone managing sponsorships does need to understand the association's mission and, and, and values and needs of its members. But I think as far as, as skills, it's really looking more at, at, at marketing and business and sales skills than we might have looked at in the past. And it, it may be somebody like an account exec for a marketing agency who has that experience having those exploratory discussions with, with clients or, in this case, respective corporate sponsors and, and crafting a, a package um, of, of services or benefits that will meet the needs of the company and then managing that along the way. So this is not kind of a plug and play, but it's somebody to really be like an account exec in a marketing agency uh, to service those sponsors throughout the year. So I think, and it also needs to, associations need to put the, the, uh, the staff time into that. So it may need to, based on the size of the association, association it may need to be a full-time person or more than one person. It's very difficult to, I think, assign this as, oh, it's another membership category for the membership person. Um, but one will get into it, uh, get out of it what they put into it. Um, I had a client a few years ago that was looking to hire a director of corporate partnerships. They ended up hiring somebody who was the marketing manager with one of their corporate partners. So who better to understand the needs of corporate sponsors than somebody who had been with a sponsor company, and she had the advantage of knowing many of the other marketing folks with the other sponsor companies. So um, I think this is very much you know, uh, not inconsistent with the, the values and mission of associations. And, and you know, it really goes back to, to partnering with companies to meet the needs of members. So... Um, uh, yeah, definitely the need to, to have, and I think the other advantage in these conversations, it, it tends to um, keep corporate partners in check. You know, occasionally a company will come up and say, oh, we want, you know, we want a, a list uh, to do direct mail to all of your members, or we want to co-brand your website for the next year. Uh, but by the, actually, if, by the association coming to the company and recommending solutions, companies tend to seldom bring up those other sorts of things because the association is recommending things that are consistent with the association's mission and values and needs of its members. So in line with what you just said, um, one of the things that I'm noticing and I'm hearing from the uh, associations that I work with, many of them are actually hiring sales consultants or bringing on professional salespeople because they realize they just don't have this skill set internally. Um, I'm guessing that you might be in favor of this idea. Is that a, a fair assumption? I think for sponsorship programs, it depends on how we define sales, okay. uh, transactional or transformational. So associations actually have done a pretty good job over the years with transactional sales, ads, exhibit booths, um, conference sponsorships. I used to work with an association that had 200 sponsorship opportunities at its annual convention, lanyards, buses, lunches. They were very successful in bringing in a lot of money doing that. Um, but I think, again, that's less effective moving forward when companies are looking for more year-long customized packages. If we look at this as more transformational sales of really somebody who understands the needs of members, who is not just sending out a prospectus or calling off of a call sheet or calling the same companies multiple times during the year, but really looking to 
partner with companies to transform the field or professional or trade, whatever it is, to really look at it as like, yeah, we're not selling a commodity, we're selling a way that we can work together, the association and the corporate partner, to transform this field or profession. And, and I guess just one quick analogy, um, if I were going to, uh, to, to have a catered party, um, you know, I could go to the website of a local deli and order stuff off of the website and maybe call a, a sales clerk if I had a question. And it's basically choices of do you want extra tomato or pickle or onion or whatever on the sandwiches versus sitting down with the catering manager at a catering company who is also in a sales role. But his or her job is to ask all those questions. Who's coming to your event or their dietary needs or their children there? By the way, do you need music? Do you need invitations do you need flowers and then selling me a package and i'm going to spend more money with the caterer than i would at the local deli uh, so there's more sponsorship revenue but i think more importantly my guests would be much more satisfied wow that was a really cool event now not only was the food good but you had special things for the people had special dietary needs and for kids and the flowers were great and the music was great and how did you ever come up with all those good ideas on how to package, how to, how to put together the event? And it was like, well, they weren't my ideas. They were the salesperson's ideas from the catering company. So I think there, there is a need to think about sales, but I would think about it in, in terms of really transforming the association and partnering with companies. Excellent. I think that's a wonderful place to wrap up here, Bruce, the idea of it being a transformational experience, uh, not just in how you do it, but transformational from helping members uh, be better uh, going forward as a result, be smarter, be more productive, be more profitable, whatever the case is. But after I've interacted as a result of this transformational sponsorship, I'm actually better uh, at, in, in going forward. And I love that. So thank you for being my guest today. My pleasure. I'm Mary Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today. Mm -hmm.